Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Natural Running Network. We are brought to you by Mio, makers of the world's first strapless heart rate monitor sports watches, and MedHab, makers of RPM Squared, an innovative system of gait analysis that slips right into your running shoes. My name is Richard Diaz. I am your host. Are you a runner? Do you love to get out and challenge yourself? Running your first marathon or maybe caught the bug of obstacle racing? Well, sit tight because this is a show you just don't want to miss. I have the great pleasure of spending a little bit of time here on our podcast with Lindsay Webster. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) And here we go. Now my dog started playing with his noisy squeak toy in the background. That's okay. That's not your fault. (laughs) Perfect timing. Uh, Incidentally, I'm assuming that that's that Malamute or Husky or whatever it is. Yeah, Malamute. Beautiful dog. Yeah, we I, love him. I mean, that dog couldn't have picked better parents. <laughs> you know. Well, that's part of the reason we got him. We knew that um, as like active individuals, and stuff, I mean, that he'd be able to keep up to us and come most places that we go. So, yeah, that's Canadian. Let's talk about that for just a minute before we get started talking about other things. Try to paint a picture of what it looks like when you set out your front door. Do you live like in the middle of some mountainous, snowy region, or is it just like you guys have this like little uh, stand-up picture that you stand in front of that makes it look like you're there all the time? <laughs> oh, I wish we lived in a more mountainous region. Um, it's funny because a lot of people think we live in a really mountainous area, and I think that's because... Um, all our pictures on Facebook and Instagram are of all these mountains, but we actually do a lot of driving and flying to get to those places. <laughs> so um, where we live is more, it's a really beautiful, well-known area in Ontario, um, and it's definitely hilly, but um, I wouldn't call them mountains. So okay. yeah, basically our house is um, basically a, like a cottage uh, and... Yeah, it's pretty much in the middle of nowhere. So, but we are, we are still about um, only an hour drive from the city of Toronto. So it's not that bad. My so wife we're, we're always in, tells me she wants. My wife always tells me she wants to go to Toronto. Oh really? Yeah. Why Toronto? I don't know. I don't know. I I uh, you know I don't I, I've I've only been to Canada you know a handful of times and and that was Windsor so that's not really even Canada right. So yeah, <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> I, I don't know. I she but she goes. Oh, let's go to let's go to Toronto, you know, or Montreal. And I don't no, know. Montreal. Montreal. Toronto has a lot going on. At like a lot of cities are known for either being like an art city or a music city, and Toronto's kind of a bit of a mishmash of everything. It seems to have everything going on all at once, but um, a lot of people love it. So if we we're going to go one place or the other, would it be Montreal or would it be Toronto? Well, I would suggest Montreal, but that's because, I don't know, Ryan and I aren't really city people, and I guess maybe Toronto, we're just used to it, but um, yeah, I've heard when a lot of people come to visit, they say they love Toronto, but um, 
I prefer Montreal. Okay. It's it's just beautiful, and there's all these old buildings in Montreal, um, and it's very cultural and outdoorsy, so that's why I like it. Okay, cool. So, you know, Ryan and I have chatted a bunch. Um, the type of training that he does is unique, I think, relatively speaking. And when I say relatively speaking, I'm referring to most of the other guys that are in the sport of OCR. They don't seem to have the same type of opportunity uh, to find the type of terrain that Ryan seems to, to always find. And I might be yeah. confused about that, but I'll give you an example. I just did a running clinic in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And a okay. component of our running clinic is to teach technical terrain running, you know, how to contend with up and down hills and what's the best way to approach it, things like this. And they virtually don't have a hill. I mean, they don't. They they have to. They don't have a hill. I mean, so they they're like, um, well, we found this park and it probably has the most hills on it, and there was really like, let's call it like a bump. You know, there was like okay. like a little bit of a bump, but no. I mean, they said that they have a bridge that they that they do their hill repeats on. Because the the bridge is arched, you know, to go over a river or something like oh, that. Oh, really? But that's the extent wow. of it. They it's so <laughs> flat that they got nothing. They got they've got virtually no terrain. Um, so what was your problem solving there? Like what what did you do in order to teach well, people? Well, we 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 used the bump that they had, and we did the best we could with what they had. And so essentially, what we did is we showed them various approaches with cadence and arm swing, things like this, to get up and down this bump. But um, we made the best of it, and it was it was fun. But uh, great bunch yeah. of people, great bunch of people, very enthusiastic, and it was fun. So, But, you know, we run into that all the time. You know, we never know what we're going to run into when we go someplace new. Yeah. So. I mean, but as long as, I guess, you teach them the basics, then they can kind of think about it and transfer that over if they are on, like, ever on really kind of technical terrain then yeah well yeah. that's what okay. we hope for and then we went to when we went to, we went to texas and we went to texas and we did a thing with uh, yancey culp and his folks and he had just this rocky ruddy crazy terrain where it was covered in trees and if you've got 50 feet away from somebody you're lost you just literally lost they're screaming, hey, I'm over here. Where? I'm over here. Okay. And, and couldn't see them. Wow. Uh, it was crazy. But So we never know. <laughs> Go ahead. Maybe I should take one of those camps and I'll be able to keep up Brian on the on the descents. He just like sprints down them. I honestly don't know how he can run that fast on technical terrain. Yeah. I'd be afraid of Facebook or breaking an ankle. John Alban seems to be quite a, quite a, uh, a risk taker on serious downhill too. Yeah, the both of them, they're incredible. And they just love running together, of course. They'll run all day. All right, so let's talk about training a little bit, if you don't mind. Sure. Let's start like this. Why don't you walk me through an average training week? And I guess, wait, 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 let's back up. Before we do that, let me ask you this. Do you take on or respect an off-season? Yes, definitely. And I think it's really important, both um, mentally and physically, so um, I came from a cross-country skiing background, and in cross-country skiing, we would always have our race season through the winter, and then as soon as it was over, um, coaches always insisted that we took a month off, 
Um, and then we back into training, which was a lot of weights and building base, so lots of endurance. Um, and then we'd kind of get into speed work and stuff. But um, So it's always been kind of ingrained in my brain from a young age as an athlete that it's important to, to take that rest after your race season. Um, the thing about OCR is I guess it's kind of a year-round race season. There's not really an off-season. So we kind of decided this year that we were just going to give ourselves two months and not any races. Uh, so we finished the Battle Frog World Championships, and then I took two full weeks off. Um, and I would, like, maybe run, you know, half an hour or 45 minutes just really easy if I felt like I was starting to go stir-crazy. I find it really, really hard. The first week is easy, and then you start to go a little bit stir crazy. <laughs> yeah, well, I get that. Well, I don't think you should stop training. Obviously, what you do is some active recovery training, and just do something that's not uh, directly tied to w- the way you compete. But I, I have to tell you that, aside from the fact that I think OCR is an all-round, all-year-round type of sport, simply because. They're trying to feed the monster, you know. They, they, they've got a business that requires revenue, and they can't afford to basically shut the machine down for a few months and encourage yeah. people to stop. So they're going to encourage people to race as often as they possibly can because it's how they make a living. And I, I'm not casting dispersion on any particular brand. I'm just saying that I've, I, I recognize that they have to keep the machine going. And the people love to race, so they they chase it down as best they can. And I've always encouraged people, and more specifically this last year, uh, started telling people November, December, January, just shut it down. Start focusing on repairing some of the damage and getting after some of the mistakes and become a better athlete when you get back in the game. So that's always been my thing. Okay. Yeah, so what are, what are your thoughts on basically, you know, rest like a rest month. Well, I guess it depends on the individual. A rest month to me would mean that you're, you know, first of all, let's start out with the way you would train if you weren't resting. And uh, I would like to see uh, a competitive athlete have in the neighborhood of 50 miles or better per week under the belts. And that would include some, you know, some intensity training, uh, some speed work, some base development training, uh, obviously enough of the obstacle-based exercises involved in, the, you know, and obviously really being conscious of your diet and things like this. If, you know, you're an athlete, you, you've got to cover all those bases. And then just the idea of not being under the pressure to perform, you know, run easy if you feel like it, but don't get too buggy about how fast you're going or too buggy about what your heart rate looks like. Just, you know, do it do it just because you're enjoying it and it, it feels good to you as opposed to being under pressure to perform. And, and then, yeah. you know, maybe do something that you normally might not do, you, you don't have room for, like maybe swim or ride a bike. Or in your case, you guys, I know uh, that uh, Ryan has told me many occasions that he likes to ski and, you know, cross-country skiing and things like this. And he, I know he gets on that fat tire bike in the winter too, which is... Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's more fat. fun, right? Oh, it's so fun. Yeah, and I, I do think that's important. I always incorporate a lot of fun, fun training into my my training regime. I think it's fun. Like it's very important that you keep enjoying what you're doing. So in between all my structured workouts, I definitely will have a few enjoy- enjoyable. Well, I mean they're all enjoyable, but I'll, 
I'll have a few every week that I don't really have anything planned and I kind of just go out and do whatever I feel like at the time. So right well, before um, we started our call here, I just got back from cross-country skiing. There you go. Well, you know, yeah. think about that for a minute. I mean, just the idea that when you know you're on and you're you're in training and you have a target, there's a race that is looming out in the distance that you're you're thinking towards. Maybe it's not an A race, but it's certainly a race that you're concerned about, especially someone like you, because you're going to show up and there's a certain amount of expectation from the people that you're going to race with. And they, you know, they expect to, they're, they're measuring you, right? So you're kind of under the microscope the whole time. So you're, you're hyper-conscious of everything you do. So I think just the, the idea that there's no races in front of you for a while, there's no pressure, that in itself takes a tremendous amount of stress off you. And I think that really does make a big, big difference. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with that. Where I was going with this before I went off on that tangent is I was going to ask you, what does an average training week look like for you now? And take into account that I'm assuming that, and I know you guys raced in Europe, right? We did. Yeah, it was amazing. Was it? Such a cool opportunity. Yeah. Um, So I've never been overseas before. That was my first time um, in Europe. So we just got back from Sweden. Uh, Yeah, and it was was fantastic. I want to go back. (laughs) How did it come about? Um... I guess somebody, so this company, MTR Express, they own um, a bunch of high-speed trains over there, and I guess they were sponsoring this race called Arena Run, uh, which is, it's Arena Run's first year. So anyway, um, I guess they had in mind this one athlete who's a swim run champion, and swim runs are really big over in Europe. We yeah, don't I have am familiar with it. Yeah. Anyway, so they contacted this athlete originally, um, but he was unable to go, um, and he's friends with Ryan, so he reached out to Ryan um, and asked if Ryan would go instead, and then, um, of course, lucky me, Ryan was like, can I bring my fiance? She's pretty good. (laughs) So, yeah, so they invited me to, um, I kind of reaped the benefits there. So, yeah. So you guys won, right? Uh, We did, yeah, so... It was a five-kilometer indoor stadium race, um, my first stadium race as well. And then they had basically, you had to run the 5K once, and that was, I guess, like the, they were heats. So I guess that was like the first heat. And then uh, you go into semifinals and finals, um, and you have to race again. So I won both. I guess the heats and the finals, and then Ryan was second in the heats and third in the finals. So, yeah, his field was pretty stacked. There's a lot of fast guys there, and uh, of course, he's a really good long distance athlete. So I'm always pretty impressed by how well he does in, in like sprint races and really fast races too. So I got to ask cool. you. A- this this is kind of an off the cuff question, and this is ridiculous anyway. But I'm going to ask anyhow. I know that there's been many, many, many occasion where you win and he comes in second. Um, Okay. Does that happen only when you're racing or does it, I mean, well, I would have to, I guess, only happen when you're racing. But would he he finish, I mean, do you think he finishes, does he win when you're not racing? Have you, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, um, it seems to me like whenever you two are racing at the same race, 
he's like uh, the bridesmaid, right? <laughs> you win, and he comes oh, no. in second. Maybe I'm like a, a curse to him. I hope he hasn't realized. Maybe he's not allowed to podcast. He's gonna think I'm bad luck or something. <laughs> maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe he's maybe he's uh, he's bugging because he's worried how you're doing while you're racing. And I was gonna ask you that I think too. He's pretty he's pretty focused when he's racing, but um, I gotta say that men's field, um, particularly uh, particularly in obstacle course racing, the men's field is just there's so much competition in it and. Uh, I mean, I think that makes a world of difference for him. Like, he's pretty focused while he's racing, but um, there's so many talented guys out there for him to contend with. Right. Well, and and I guess that was something else I was going to talk to you about. Comparatively speaking, um, I would guess, well, being in the work that I'm in, I mean, I work with OCR athletes, and, and I work with a lot of very talented athletes. But I, yeah. I find I get a lot more call and a lot more business from the men in the sport than I do from the women. And I'm telling you this after having worked with Rose Wetzel yesterday. Oh, Rose is awesome. I love Rose. Yeah, but I'm saying that collectively speaking, it doesn't seem to me that the women are, you could correct me, okay, but they don't seem to be collectively as driven in the sport as the the men are. Is that why the, the the field is so stacked in in the men's field? Do you think, or I mean, is it? Is Ooh, it a, touchy subject. <laughs> well, I'm just so, asking. I mean, you could say however you want. I mean, I'm just throwing it out there. No, Ryan and I have talked about this before. Um, so there's definitely more men. That's one thing. Like I wouldn't say it's a man's sport, but um, when you see um, the start line of race, you have let's say 30 women to 60 men. So it's kind of a two to one ratio there. But, um, yeah, and I, I think there's definitely a lot of driven women out there, like Rose, who I guess we were talking with yesterday. Yep. Um, she's super driven. She trains. Um, she's pretty structured in her training and everything. She's a full-time athlete. And then you have, you know, Amelia got, or Amelia Boone, and she's a fantastic athlete. I think she's out there running um, a lot of ultras this year. So she'll be some tough competition um, and then Claude Godboot, who's an ex-Olympian. Um, so, yeah, so I mean, yeah, there's definitely some, some talent, and those girls are tough as nails. But um, Well, I've worked with – I didn't talk to Rose yesterday. I trained her yesterday. And, and oh, okay. Yeah, cool. yeah, Rose and I spent probably three, four hours together training. Okay. And so I agree with you. She is absolutely tough as nails. And she's going to be held to contend with in the shorter stuff. You know, oh, yeah. We discussed it. She's less likely to be a threat the longer the event becomes. It's just not in her wheelhouse. And but then I've got Amelia to contend with for this long right, races. So. Right, and, and of course, yeah, Amelia likes the long stuff. I mean, the, she likes to suffer. So she she tends to seem to shine the longer the event becomes. On that topic, so what's your thing? I mean, what, what do you prefer to go, to go long, or, or are you just as capable going short? What do you think? I prefer the long stuff. Um, so my background is uh, both in skiing, like cross-country skiing and running, is a lot of 5Ks. Um, and then since I've met Ryan, uh, I've started doing sort of more and, long, more, and more long-distance endurance stuff. Um, so this weekend I'm actually doing the Battlefrog 24-hour race, and 
I don't plan on running all 24 hours, but I'm hoping for like 10 or 12 and I just kind of want to make it like a really solid training day, some good base building um, for the rest of the season. But I would have to say I prefer long distance stuff. Um, But I, I mean, it takes a long time to get to the point where you can run for 24 hours or 100 kilometers or miles. So um, Amelia, for example, has years and years of it under her belt, and she's kind of been gradually building that endurance over time. And same with Ryan. So to me, it's um, I only kind of started building that endurance two or three years ago. So I've come a long way from where I started, but um, I've got a long way to go. But I'm doing the world's toughest mutter this year as well. So that's kind of like the end goal is wow. that I want to be able to run for 20 hours. So, yeah. I, I don't know, man, that that's just a crazy, crazy event. And I know Ryan likes that kind of thing, but, um, so what I was going to ask you, and I guess we kind of got off point for a minute, but a training week right now going into the season, what does it look like for you right now? Um, it's much, different from when I'm in the season so it was much like you were kind of describing earlier so like in any given week I'll definitely have um one really long run which will be um probably three or more hours and then or I'll do it cross training so like on a bike or or skiing or something and then it'll be even longer so like four or five and then I'll do probably two sets two or three sets of intervals throughout the week. Um, so like getting my heart rate up really high. What else do I do? I do two or three strength sessions, um, focusing both on upper and lower body and, you know, my obstacles. Um, what else do I do? Let's see. And lo- lots of cross training for me. Um, I'd say I run probably five days a week, but, um, if I kind of bring it up to set like six or seven, my body starts to complain a little bit. So I do a lot of, yeah, same as Ryan, like cross country skiing and mountain biking or fat biking in the winter. When you, Um, when you talk about the volume of training you do right now, and I'm assuming this is early season for you right now, what kind of mileage of running do you see that you're doing and where do you think it's going to spike? Oh, uh, it's going to spike in March, probably like later this month. So, uh, yeah, I've got a bunch of stuff planned. This is going to be a base building month for sure. And, uh, everything up to this has kind of just been gradually ramping up to the mileage that I'm going to be putting in this month. Um, in terms of miles, I mean, here in Canada, we kind of do everything in kilometers, but I'm actually really bad at keeping track of how much, how many miles I do in a week I kind of go more by like training hours um, I'm with you <laughs> not that that's very helpful no it is it's actually very helpful I wrote a book about training this way as opposed to counting miles so I'm absolutely oh, no with way. you yeah but, but okay. uh, I guess so how many hours of running let's put it like that how many hours of running do you do in a week right now just running or, yeah. or cross training just running as well just run. Okay, let's see. Um, oh. I'm going to say an average of an hour and a half, five days a week. 
Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. So an hour and a half, two hours, maybe five days a week. So what would that be like? So about seven and a half hours of running. Yeah, seven and a half, eight hours of running. And then so, if we're to put it... A lot in, of my miles, like... Oh, sorry, go ahead. If we put it into your pace, and I guess you do it in Canadian talk, so we're going to be talking uh, in, yeah. in kilometers as opposed to miles, but... What is your what does your pace look like? Well, that very much depends. So if I'm doing intervals, I usually run at like a three thirty five, three forty kilometer pace. Okay. So I mean, and that depends on the interval. Some of them are faster, some of them are a little bit slower, depending on the length of the interval. Um, and then if I'm doing an easy run, I'm pretty slow, like a five thirty kilometer pace when I'm running easy because I want to keep my heart rate below 130 right. and that seems to be what, what the pace that that'll do it for me cool so that was actually one of my questions too you're you're doing a great job by the way thanks <laughs> so, <laughs> better with numbers and stuff. <laughs> so given that we've already and I haven't even asked you yet and you've already spouted off about keeping consciousness of your heart rate um I'm assuming that you're an advocate of heart rate specific training. You're paying attention to the cost of work, right? Yeah, definitely. Well, I think um, it's important to wear a heart rate monitor. Just, I mean, for the most part, I can kind of feel what my heart rate's at. Like, I don't, I never wear it during the race, but, um, but I from training that rate monitor on that, you know, my heart rate's approaching red line, and that maybe I'm going a little bit too fast or um, when I'm going too slow, like I can, I can just kind of feel it. Um, but yeah, when I train, I I do think it's important to wear a heart rate monitor because it's a really good indicator of, um, when you're tired, if you can't get your heart rate up, then it probably means that you're tired or if it's really easy to get your heart rate up, then it means that you're probably not training enough. Right. There you go. So the next question related to that is, do you look at the metrics? Do you pay attention to what occurred? Like, so at the end of the week, do you download the data and look at what what happened and make decisions about what happened or make decisions moving forward, planning towards what's going to happen? I mean, do you do that? Are you that anal? I know Ryan probably is. Um, I do that more on a, a daily basis, I'd say. Like like just like I said, like if uh, I've got my heart rate up really easily in a set of intervals and it's like got all the way up to 193, then I know that I can put some more miles and hours of training on the table because I'm obviously well rested. Um, Yeah, so I kind of look at it more like on a daily basis. Good, uh, good to know. I'm leading you, I'm absolutely leading you down the road here because I think, and this is kind of my position, clearly, because what I do, for example, my clinic I did in Baton Rouge, what I do is day one is VO2 testing. I test everyone. I do a resting metabolic assessment, then I do VO2 testing. And then I prescribe heart rate-specific training for them. And I show them how to use heart rate monitors and how should they should approach their training from a heart rate perspective. Because what you, a couple things you said that I found interesting is that, number one, there's a lot of people that like to believe that they, that they tell me I know my body. And having never looked at heart rate, they don't really, they have a reactionary approach to their training. So they know if I did this and, and I, like, if I go out really hard today, what it's going to feel like tomorrow. So that's kind of a yeah. rea- reactionary approach. 
So when, they're, when they always refer to how they know their body, they know what they survived, and they know what became expensive for them, you know, or what was easy for them. But they really don't, they're not proactive about the approach to training. Now, what you've indicated to me, and I'm picking up on, is that you're proactive about your training, and that leads you to be intuitive about your racing. So you don't need to look at the heart rate monitor while you're racing because you spend so much time paying attention to what's happening to you while you're training. Am I right? Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say so much time. Like, I'm not super anal about it. Um, especially, well, when I'm mountain biking, I know people who would train with the heart rate monitor and... Um, Power. Those that, I don't forget what they're called, but they basically measure how many watts you're outputting. Power meter. You attach it to the... Yeah, power meter. There we go. Sorry. I was blanking out. Um, but yeah, they would, um, know that they could average, um, 400 watts for an hour or something like that. And then when they weren't hitting those numbers, they would just be pushing themselves really, really hard because they're like, what's going on? How come I can't hit the numbers? And really it's more just like that your body's really tired and maybe you should kind of listen to what your body's trying to tell you and take a day off. So I don't know. I think it's, um... I mean, it's important to know the numbers and how your body reacts to things, but it's also important to listen listen to your body. And if you're feeling really crappy on a certain day, then to know that maybe you should be taking it easier that day and to, you know, put those intervals you had scheduled up until tomorrow or the next day or something. I, you know, and at, so. at that same token, I think that to some degree it becomes a function of poor planning. When you get caught up feeling like crap in the middle of your training, that's probably because something you did leading up to that point in time was incorrect. And I'm really an advocate of, of trying to set the table in such a way that you're not getting more than you need, you're not getting less than you should. And by paying attention, well, I, you know, obviously I'm in the business of coaching, so I have people send me data, and I could tell by the data whether we're going down the wrong path. or with, you know, It's very, very self-explanatory when I see it. So anyway, for yeah. whatever. By the way, I, I'm sure Ryan's probably mentioned to you. I'm fixing to send him a pair of these training insoles that will actually convert his running into power reading, which is pretty oh, cool. very novel. And by the way, it translates onto the bike. So if That's you amazing. yeah, you simply put the insoles in your cycling shoes, and it becomes a power meter for the bike. It'll also show you kind of the load parameters through through your cadence. You know where you're pushing, where you're where you're letting go of the load, on either either leg, and and it, you could look at it instantaneously in an ANT device, or you can download it later and look at it after the fact. But it will actually convert your work running into power. It's going to be actually it's the first running power meter that uh, I'm a, I'm aware of. I at this point. That's in time. amazing. That's yeah. a huge breakthrough. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a little yeah. pricey at the moment, but. I think that, you know, with time, it's going to be less expensive, and I think that you're going to start noticing that people are going to be not just conscious of heart rate, but they're also going to be looking at the yield, what what kind of force production they're able to create, which to this point we haven't been able to do. So that'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. All right, so we're talking about training still. So I want to ask you now, Ryan has got this, this – uh, this collaboration with John Alban and Matt Murphy, and, and you have this – uh, I teased him about the, the name of the program's Obstacle Course Training. I said, you guys yeah. must have pulled your hair out trying to come out with a name for that. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> At least it's people know what it's going to be about. 
<laughs> I know. I was just teasing him, but but the idea. Uh, I was I was wondering, and I just looked at the site just to check to make sure. Why are you not on that site? Um. So actually, approached me when we were in Sweden about sort of becoming more active with that. Because um, I guess they want a girl for you know yeah. the girls to ask to, and yeah, um, which makes sense and it's really exciting. So. Uh, I think I'm. I think I'm going to become involved in that. There you Not go. Yeah, yeah. I, I was a little apprehensive because I'm actually quite horrible at social media. So um, you get all these questions and everything from people, and of course they expect answers. But um, I would be that person who who only goes on like once a day, as opposed to like three or four times a day, like like Ryan. He's really good about it. Um, anyway, so. I had to make my New Year's resolution this year to become better at social media. So hopefully that'll help serve as a good reminder once I become involved and don't leave people waiting for an answer for like 24 hours. Well, it's just, you know, it's a perfect fit. I mean, obviously you're tied to it and they don't have a a woman's perspective on this. So I I thought it would really be well-rounded. I just, just the idea of having you on involved is, I mean, who better? I mean, you're a world champion for Christ's sake. Thank you. Well, yeah, I guess one of my goals after winning the world championships was that I I just wanted to become a good sort of ambassador to other people in the sport, and I think this will be a really good way to do it. And of course, I love um, telling people and sharing my knowledge about training and everything. So, yeah, hopefully, hopefully people will find me useful. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they will. They just got to know that you're willing. You know, they they just got to promote you. Let them know that. You, well, they're going to know now. They're going to yeah, know now. Now you have to do it. Anyway, give it a few weeks and you'll see me up there. <laughs> okay, so one last question about the whole heart rate thing. Have you had a VO2 max test done this year or recently? Oh, don't frown upon me. Uh, I've never had one done before. I know, and I know I should. You think? <laughs> and I'm actually really curious. I, I would like to have one done. Um, well, come out to California. Anyway. We'll get you guys done. I, I was gonna say, hook up next time I'm in California. <laughs> I, I tried to get Ryan to come out when he was in San Diego, but apparently he got too tied up with the uh, the race, so he couldn't do it. Oh yeah, he, yeah, he would be out there. They they have him working pretty hard when he's on duty. Yeah, apparently so. And it was close. I yeah. thought, you know, you're as close as you're probably going to get for a while. This is a good opportunity. And he was. He was uh, he was thinking about it. Just it just he worked late and got up early and it was just ugly. So yeah. he couldn't do it. No, I know he would have loved to, but they they wake up at like five in the morning and I know last event they did. They were working from like five a.m. until eleven at night. It's crazy how hard these guys work to put on these races. So, so I was going to ask you about various events, and I know that you're sponsored by Battle Frog, so clearly you know you you have a bias, and that's okay with me. But uh, yeah. I know you. I know. Listen, I know your race. I'm a mercenary. I got to tell you, I I I love no one. I, <laughs> I I just do whatever works best for me. So um, there you go. But you give an honest opinion, so that's important. Yeah. Well, uh, but I I'll tell you, I did a interview with uh, Chris Accord, and yeah. love the guy. Nice guy. And I I made a point to reach out to him because. A lot of what I've done so far has been pretty Spartan heavy, and and uh, I've always been intrigued by you know the other camp and just curiosity. And uh, I reached out to him and had a great interview with him. And nice guy, and you know I like I think the whole competition thing is really important for the sport. So 
where I was going with this is is that you've done both, or you've done them all, really. You've had a taste of all of it. You're doing, uh, you know, Toughest Mudder events. You're doing Warrior Dash. You're, do, you're doing the Battle Frog. You've done Spartan. What event yeah. do you like best? And I know that you know, come from the heart yeah. now. It's not because I'm sponsored by them, but I I do have to say Battle Frog. So. <laughs> so well, which which distance? Which particular race? Uh, you mean which particular battle frog race? Well, there's only yeah. one, I guess. And it's, um, what was it? 16 kilometers. How many miles is that? Um, I'd say that's probably about nine miles. No, okay. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I think their races are usually about eight or nine miles. Yeah. Um, but the thing that I like about battle frog is that, um, A, their obstacles are mandatory, and B, it's actually two laps, which kind of adds a whole other element of difficulty. So when you finish, um, like, a crazy hard obstacle, you're kind of like, oh, my gosh, I have to do this again next lap. <laughs> so it's a bit of a mental game, too, um, which I think is really cool. And okay. no other races have a two-lap format like that. So I really like that aspect of it. Well, Battle Frog came to California this year, and obviously enough, Ryan was in the middle of it. He was in San Diego. I don't know if he went to Sonoma or not, but it didn't do well. Uh, from all I've heard, and I wasn't there, but the participation was weak. Anybody been tossing around thoughts? Is it is it marketing? Is it is it that? I, I mean, I had mixed thoughts about it. I was wondering whether it's just people were afraid that they were going to be forced to actually do the competition as the competition is laid out as opposed to being able to have an option of burping out or something like that. What are your thoughts? Okay, yeah. Yeah, so for, I mean, for anybody who doesn't know, for the elites, the obstacles are mandatory. But if you're just um, out there with your friends to have fun in the open waves, then you can do bodybuilders, which essentially are glorified burpees. Um, don't get mad at me for saying that, Battle Frog. They always call it burpee-free, but basically they're burpees. <laughs> anyway, um, my thoughts are, we've talked about this lots before, me and the Battle Frog team. Um, their marketing is really poor. Essentially, they have um, no marketing department or head of marketing. So they have one girl named Jenny who's really fantastic at social media. Um, but they they don't really do any sponsored ads or posts or anything um digital marketing is kind of like you know the modern way of marketing they do um a lot of basically ancient forms of marketing (laughs) most people that come to their races have just heard about it through word of mouth so yeah and then the ads that they do have up online or facebook are um made by a company in spain actually so uh, they don't make a lot of sense when, when you read them in English. A lot of the time, they're quite bad. <laughs> so there's your problem. Okay, I'm going to yeah. make a recommendation, and you could carry it off to whomever wants to listen to it. Okay. I thought the greatest piece of genius in marketing that Spartan did last year was to put on that cruise. And yeah. the the idea, I mean, I know it cost a buttload of money to do it. Totally, and, but I guarantee you that if they were to say today that they were going to do another cruise and they're going to do it in three weeks, it would sell out. It, they would not have to spend a 
they wouldn't spend another dime to put that cruise on because of the, you know, all the mysticism that came from the last time around. So yes. my advice well, is... Well, you were there. You know, um, yeah. Do you know if it was mostly like elite obstacle racers that went, or was it was there a ton of people, too, who there, just went to make a fun weekend out of it? I don't there, really know. There was a lot of people that just really were interested in, in racing. And there, obviously there was a lot of elites as well. I mean, I brought a bunch of people with me that were great athletes, but at the end of the day, I mean, Joe DeSena's plan was to get all the craziest, best athletes he could possibly find from various sports and get them to show up. But there was a lot of people that paid their way and came along, and they made a vacation out of it and and had a great time. But I'm telling you, if if they were to do it again, which I understand they are not, because Joe didn't, he didn't, like the way, you know, the debauchery that took place, I mean, all the drinking and carrying on, <laughs> which is what people want to do, right? You, I mean, let's face it, you, we exercise so we, yeah. can, we can have fun, right? And if you're going to pay for a cruise, that's what you're going to do. <laughs> I would highly recommend that Battle Frogs takes up the banner and says, you know what, we're going to do a Battle Frog cruise and just take it off to some obscure island, do a race, and then let people have their fun and then bring them home. And I'll bet you the thing yeah, that's that would be great for the brand. I mean, the thing is, though, that they need to market it properly. So, of course, every elite obstacle racer is going to hear about it through word of mouth because we all talk to each other. Right. But that's only, you know, 1% of the people who come to these races. So, in order for it to be successful, they'd really need to market it properly, which, unfortunately, <laughs> they're not very good at doing. But, I mean, it's it's definitely good idea i'll put it on the table and see if they well let me tell you, you you got you got to realize that there are athletes out there that have a tremendous amount of followers on social media you know i that's so true i coach hunter and i could tell you awesome. we, we put a video up of our training session on social media and ten thousand people see it yeah, and that's ten thousand people that are interested in the kind of things that he does. So just yeah, try to try to imagine that you had um, ten elite athletes that have those types of followings on social media, and they were charged with putting that information out there for the world to see. There's your marketing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a really great idea. The book can only hold a couple thousand people, you know. Yeah. So it would sell out. I want you know what I want to be the marketing director for for Battle Frog. Let me handle it. <laughs> I'll take care of this right now. <laughs> and plus, I want to go on a cruise are, again. So they are having um, a race in Atlanta, which is basically a sprint race um, that's going to be aired on ESPN. So, but they're sending it's a team race, and they're going to be sending teams from all over the world. So, like I know that there's at least two from Sweden that are coming over. Um, yeah, so hopefully that'll be pretty good for for marketing for them too. It should be pretty fun. Yeah. I mean, it's no cruise, but it's still going to be a great weekend. Yeah. Well, again, you know, you got the other end of the coin where NBC's doing all the coverage for the Spartan stuff and they did that Spartan event that's going to be airing sometime soon that was a big deal and and I know Benny Gitford yeah. is involved in the Battle Frog ESPN thing and uh I've worked with Benny too. He's he seems to be pretty pumped about it. But uh you're right, that's that's the direction it needs to take. You gotta get on T V, you gotta get that whole thing out there and uh, I would like to see even Steven, I'd like to see an even playing field and, and 
What I really would like to see happen is enough revenue come into the sport so that the athletes that work their butts off to compete uh, can make a living. And I'm sure you'd like to do that too, right? Yeah, that's the goal. <laughs> anyway, and Spartan's done a really great job of um, of kind of trying to grow grow the sport. So I know at World Championships last year they were talking with the Olympic Committee and they had a few people from the Olympic Committee come out to the race. And, of course, they have their thing going on with NBC. So, yeah, so Battlefrog's going to be working with ESPN this year, which is really cool. And hopefully that will not only help to grow their brand, but the definitely the sport as well. All right, so I'm going to ask you a couple of racing-specific questions. Okay. When yeah. you – and I now, listen, I know what you're going to say, and don't say it, okay? Okay. <laughs> so um, you, you're going to show up at an event. Let's just kind of create a scenario. You're showing up okay, at I'm a there. big event. It's a money event, and it's a 5K distance event. Who's your competition? Yeah, who's your competition? Rose? Okay. (laughs) All right. And then so we're going to do a a Battle Frog event, and it's going to be, what did you say, 16K? Yeah. Who's your competition? Ooh, Claude probably. Okay. Claude Or Corinna, but she has a stress fracture right now, so. Did you do that? I didn't do that. No, <laughs> she um, she got that around like OCR World Championships, and she's just kind of been training through it. She's such a tough cookie. Yeah. Anyway, so do you have like do you have like a couple of these girls' pictures on your refrigerator, like for inspiration? <laughs> like I'm this is this is target number one, target number two. Um, I don't know. Does my Facebook feed count as my refrigerator? Because they <laughs> show up on it all the time. <laughs> no, I mean we're all pretty good friends in the sport, so and we all kind of stay in touch too. So. That's got nothing to do with it. That's got. I, listen, I have friends, and I'm I'm an old man, and I, I'm still competitive with my with my friends. You know, I mean we're friends, but you know if I can kill them in an event, I will. You know, I just yeah, you hit the start line and the game changes kind of right. But. <laughs> So I mean, it's not—it's yeah. not being condescending to say that you have somebody that you like, you really want to keep behind you all the time. You know, is there is there somebody like that that's kind of on your radar that you're like, you know what, I gotta, I gotta do this and that to make sure she can't do this or that. Yeah, um, I think Amelia is probably my biggest kind of person that I want to be. Say person that I want to keep behind me because I've only ever had her behind me once, <laughs> but <laughs> definitely she's some of my biggest competition and um, coming into this season. So I beat her at the Spartan World Champs last year, but um, in her defense, she cramped pretty badly. So definitely coming in, into this season, I want to kind of try and beat her a few more times. Not to be mean, sorry, Amelia, but no, look, you know, it's not like that. I mean, I'm I'm sure she wants to beat you too. So, you know, oh, totally. it's, feelings are mutual. It's not it's not a it's not angst. It's not anger. It's just it's competition, right? Yeah, I think I don't know. People call her the queen of pain, and um, yeah. I mean, she's a great role model. She's a great person and stuff. But yeah, so when I just think, I don't know. Whenever I think of like you that I really want to beat more than anybody else, for some reason, she comes to mind. Maybe right. it's because she likes all the same things. I like the same events that I do, the long distance ones and everything. And um, she 
definitely better at me in the longer distance or better than me in the longer distance events. So like world's toughest mutter this year, she'll be there. And it's funny because people somehow think that might have a standing chance of beating her. But of course she has like all these ultras under her belt and three world's toughest mutters more than that, I think. But yeah, so kind of funny that people think that, you know, <laughs> I'll stand a chance in an event that long. But um, You don't see yourself having really a shot? No, I think, I mean, I think I have a shot, but um, like I was saying earlier, um, kind of grow to that level and endurance races takes a really long time. And this will be my first year doing anything like that. So the more races like that you do, the more kind of accustomed to it your body becomes. Um, so, I mean, I'll definitely try and give her a run for her money, but she's she's uh, pretty ahead of the game on that one. But I really admire that. And, like, people call her the queen of pain. Right. And uh, she I kind of want to... by the way. Like, yeah. So she... <laughs> I love it. I want to be able to get to that, that level one day. So just if I do ever beat her in a race, it's kind of like a big thing for me. Um, makes me feel all proud of myself and stuff, you know? <laughs> you know, I really know. it's a different mentality. I, I, I just not really into the whole suffering. Uh, you know, it's it, it's a, she's a queen of pain because she her game is she's a good suffering chick. She could take she could take a beating and just come back, and she likes that. I I, I don't know. Yeah. I I'm more I like a racehorse more than I do a plow horse mentality. Okay. You know what I mean? I yeah. I, I don't I I don't know. I just I like fast. You know, when I'm thinking in terms of athletes that I work with, I, I I want them to aspire to be so far ahead of somebody that they could take a break if they need to, as opposed to yeah. saying that I'll just I'll be on you forever because I I don't quit. You know, in, in box I yeah. work with boxers and and you know that's a really bad trait as a boxer because your career is going to be short lived <laughs> if you're the guy that could yeah. take all the punishment, right? You don't want to be that guy. You want to be the guy that hands the punishment out. So. I think if I had to give you advice, the the thing I would offer up is to be fast and enduring. <laughs> be able to go yeah, long and long and fast. Get, get. Yeah, and I think that that's what I train for physically is to be able to, you know, run. Maybe not short and fast like Rose Wetzel does, but to be able to run, you know, like 16k battle frog as fast as. I can and be at that point where I can take break. <laughs> I need to or something. Um, but maybe it's all those years of trying to keep up to Ryan. But I think that like training your mind is equally as important. And it's really cool. Ever since I've started doing all these um, longer endurance things, the, I don't know, I guess you get more used to suffering kind of thing. But if you don't do it for a while, then um it's almost like your mind gets out of practice. Oh, I believe of. that. I, it's I believe hard that. to explain. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. As much as I train my body for like long and fast, I, I think it's also really cool to train my mind to be able to handle something and have the willpower to like push myself through something that's really kind of painful, like a really long race or. <laughs> Um, like Spartan World Championships, which is not that long, but like they're anywhere from three to five hours, which is still pretty long, but you're running full out as fast as you can, like the whole time. Um, 
and like having your mind trained to be able to push yourself through something like that is pretty is pretty important to me. Well, you've been pretty successful at it so far. You know, Thanks. <laughs> you can't get much better than what you're doing right now. I, I just, I guess the what you're probably fetching at is the things that are kind of um, that so far have escaped you is this really long stuff, and that's probably why you're you're looking. I mean, I can't speak for you, but that be my guess is you're looking at world's toughest mutter because you know the other challenges you pretty much knocked them out, right? Well, gosh, I had a really good first year, so it's going to be a lot to live up to right. <laughs> this next year, but. Yeah. For the long stuff, I think um, another really cool thing about having such good endurance um, is, like, the places that you can go with it. So, I mean, if you can only run for an hour, there's only so far you can get out your door before you're going to have to turn around and come home. But when you can run for, like, 10 or more hours, you can go all these really cool places and do all these really cool loops. And ever since I started doing more endurance training, I've experienced so many more cool things, especially with Ryan. Um, so we do all these like long epic days in the mountains, and this year we hiked the Grand Canyon and stuff. And it's stuff that I never would have been able to do had my endurance not been as good as it is now. So, right. and I like to be able to share that stuff with him. So maybe that's why I put myself through it too, so that I can keep up to him. <laughs> cool. Well, you guys yeah. are definitely couple number one in the sport. Um, I don't know, you know, you guys kind of like king and queen, so that's good stuff. Thanks. Well, look, uh, Lindsay, I'm glad we had a chance to, to talk. I mean, it seems like it's only been five minutes, but we've been talking for close to an hour now, and I'm going to need to shut it down. But I'm looking forward to physically meeting you one day. And yeah. you could bring Ryan along, and maybe we'll 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 mess around a little bit, get you guys up on the cart, get some data, um, maybe give you a cool. chance to find some speed. Yeah, and I promise if next time I'm in California, I'll get a VO2 max test done with you. <laughs> there you go. Well, look, like yeah. I said, it's been a pleasure, and uh, best of luck to you this season, and hopefully somewhere along the way we'll hook up and get a chance to meet you. Totally. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me. You bet. Well, friends, it's time to bring another show to a close. Be sure and tune in to us next week. We've got a lot of great content in store for you. I want you to tell your friends to check us out. You can always find us on Facebook. Simply go search the Natural Running Network. Drop us a message. I'd love to learn more about you and the things you do. And until then, you have an amazing day.